Hey, all you cool cats and commies. I'm Caleb. I'm Zach. And this is In The Mood. Your working class podcast. All right, all right, all right. We are back for a new week and a new topic, and we're just going. So, Zach, I want to talk about my spring break. I am ending my spring break, and I'm, I'm a little sad. Need to let the world know. I am just really sad. Like, I... I've enjoyed my time off. It was so needed. Like, I needed that time. I was on the edge, like, ready to just, you know, have a come apart. Brink of destruction. Yep. I just got tired of staring into the abyss that is teaching on Zoom. But we went to a wine train excursion over the weekend. A little wine, well, wine and train. I signed up for it thinking that it was going to be you know, tasting different wines on a train. Little did you know. Little did I know that they give you a shot of their homemade moonshine whiskey or whiskey, and then they put you on a train, and we're sitting there on the train, and it's just like just putt-putting along, and we're sitting up at the top. There's no wine on it whatsoever. We're just sitting there. They just say, oh, well, we'll see you in about 45 minutes. We'll come back and get you. And we're on the same train as an Easter Bunny excursion. There's like a bunch of little kids and a weird guy in an Easter Easter Bunny costume. And you know how I feel about costumes. Have I told you about that? Fuzzies. I don't. I, I do not like the furries. I don't like people mascots. Do you know who's under the mascot? No. You don't know who it is. It could be anybody. I'm just really weirded out about mascots. Like that is one of my biggest fears. It could be Bernie Sanders under that mascot. It could be Boiny, or it could be like. Or, you know, or it could be Ted Cruz. Or and, it could be Ted Cruz right there. Or it could be Matt Gates trying to get after little kids. But it could be anybody. You have no idea. You know what's the funniest thing is seeing mascots duke it out. Seems have you ever really seen pissed. them actually? Yeah, have you seen them actually get in fights and they have to be, get broken up and like yes. ruins the whole game? So like uh, whenever they go uh, like on those races around the baseball fields and then they trip one another and they just get really pissed. You know what's the greatest thing ever is seeing the freeze on the Atlanta Braves. You know how they uh, they they have a guy start out. Like already with like a hundred yard head start, and the guy that's running against him is like a college or, or like a professional sprinter, mm-hmm. and and you have to see if you could beat him because he gives you a head start, and then once he goes, and if you you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. then once he goes, he goes, you know, he's just gone. Did they ever actually beat him? Yes, yeah, so one person be- beat him. Oh, okay. I wouldn't. I'd make it about 30, 40 yards, and then I'd just be yeah. Like, you should. It's so funny seeing those people trying so hard, and that guy just blows him out the fucking water. Just keep picturing Thomas and like tearing his ACL trying to run. He'd give yeah. it his all though. It's so funny seeing a lot of people. I was about to say there has been pulled uh, quads and all sorts of things. Well, of I can only nature. imagine a bunch of dads trying to really go at it and show off. Yeah, trying to impress their wives so they can get some some lucky sloppy lucky. toppy that night. <laughs> some some pity sex that night. Yeah, but you know, try to relive those glory days. That they haven't since they wore their Letterman jacket back in the eighties. Yeah, and their the same and, and, and their same record that's been broke and shattered about every year after that season. But they still try to fit him into the the Letterman jacket, and it's like four sizes too small. In the fact that literally it's been the record has been shattered for most r- rushing yards every every single do, year. Shh, do do. Shh. Anywho, leading into, we have a great topic. It has been a couple of weeks in the making, and it's needed. It's much needed. Um, we're going to definitely be able to hash out a lot in this episode. So sit down, roll you a good one. Pour you a good one. Pour you a good one. Good and towel. Relax. Sit you, wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing, how you listen to us. Which also, we want to know, what are you doing when you're listening to us? Are you driving? Are you cutting the grass? Are you sitting there having a stout, a tout little drink sitting there listening to us? Or are you just chewing on a stogie? Just chewing on a <laughs> We want to know. I'm, I've actually been curious about that. So leave us a comment. Throughout, we're going to be asking you questions, and we want you to leave them in the comments. What you think? But anyway, so for our topic, you know, we're four months into 2021. And, and not a goddamn thing has been done about the topic, which is gun control. About gun control. And so in those four months, we are, it is April 4th, the day that we're recording, we have had five mass shootings and more than 10,000 gun violence deaths already this year in four months. It's an event that repeats over and over again. A mass shooting occurs, something sometimes more than one in these quick successions, sometimes more than once a week. And the country mourns the victims and, you know, thoughts and prayers. 
and then nothing changes. President Biden is 74 days into his presidency and approaching the issue with far less urgency. Of the more than 50 executive orders he has given so far, none have addressed gun control. On the campaign trail last year, you know, he promised to be the most progressive-minded gun control platform of any president in history. He promised to reinstate the assault weapons ban. He, he was probably thinking it was still 1994. Hey, you know, it's a funny part. <laughs> you know, it's a funny part. I hate to get off on like a little side tangent, but when you said he's the most progressive president in history, so mind you that uh, Biden's uh, infrastructure bill that we did the episode on last week, mm-hmm. he Ray he, he set the bar at 28%. He wants to tax the corporate uh, mm-hmm. billionaires, right? But if you want to fact check him, Obama did. 38%. Was it 35 or 38%? Um, I think it was like, yeah, it was either 35 or 38 So that's, so what far, mean? that's not the most progressive president in my book, but anywho. Well, you know, the, he, who was the most progressive minded when it came to corporate tax rates of any president ever? Dwight D. Eisenhower. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Good job. You listen to me. 90%. And I, and I hope everybody listened to the podcast that we did the episode yes, on. go back and check that out. But anyway, uh, good little side note though. Um, He wanted to institute a voluntary gun buyback program, and he wanted to send a a bill to Congress on his first day in office before he went home to Jill. He was going to send home a bill that stated uh, about closing background check loopholes. That bill he promised to send to Congress has not arrived yet. It's just, you know, put on put on the back burner. Like like all the important issues. Right. You know, but we're worried about. You know, we're worried about, you know, real stuff. You know, we're worried about, like, diversity because that makes everything great. He says, well, we've got the most diverse cabinet. Okay, well, what is that cabinet doing? What are you doing? Yeah, what is that cabinet doing? That's great. You're just trying doing little uh, platitudes to people. But anyway, um, and his use of the bully pulpit to push for new measures has been, I would say, uneven to non-existent. So I think, in, I think you need to speak to the people in layman's terms what the bully pulpit is. Him going on TV, essentially. Him going on TV, which, you know, he just gave his first news conference. But, um, you know, he's use, he could use Twitter. He could use Facebook. He could use what the cool kids are doing, MySpace. But um, have you heard of this thing called MySpace? No. Uh, Tweeter. <laughs> the Tweeter? I'm going to have a Twitch. I mean, I'm going to go on Twitch. Um, he could do any of those. to talk. That's the bully pulpit, using the media, in other words. So Trump. Yeah. Well, no, not any any president could use the, the media to help get out his message, to help push a matter, and he's not. So speaking of this, after the shooting rampage or multiple shooting rampage, like you said, in the in the months of March, um, the, particularly the one in Atlanta that left eight people dead followed the next week by yet the other one in Boulder, Colorado, that killed another 10 people. The never-ending debate over gun control measures has sprung up yet again. So we're going to enter this episode pretty much discussing the different proposals and talk about each of our own views on the matter. Yep. So we're going to tackle this gun. We're going to take a shot at, uh, dang, we should have done shots for each one of these. We would be having a great for, time. You'd be fucked up each time you we said raffles. <laughs> raffles. Every time you say raffles, you got to do a shot. No, um, so we're going to be talking about all of these and just give our views. So I'm going to jump into it. But before we really get into the meat of the matter, um, we need to be able to discuss some of the numerous myths and misunderstandings. So you're already behind the eight ball, so to speak. I I sound so old when I just said that. But you're behind the eight ball, so to speak, if you don't even have an understanding of certain definitions. And so one of these definitions we want to talk about is what exactly is an assault weapon? So by definition... An assault weapon refers to a semi-automatic weapon that includes firearms with a detachable magazine and a pistol grip, and other features that have like a flash suppressor and a bear or barrel. And so these high-capacity magazines are also something to be taken into consideration. And they're generally considered to be 10 to 15 bullets. And although, you know, it also can vary state to state what a definition of a high-capacity magazine really is. Because, I mean, you were telling me about there's a big difference uh, about those. Yeah, but it, like you said, the general vicinity is between 10 to 15 rounds. Exactly. And so then there's some people, you know, like we said, it varies state to state. 
in other instances, there's drums. What I've heard them called is like drums of like a hundred or two hundred magazine drums. Yeah. Yes, that is insane. And like an example of a mass shooting that took place with a hundred round uh, magazine was in August of 2019 in Dayton, Ohio. Which shout out Dayton, Ohio, because one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to, I've listened to them religiously since 2017, the Bro Ohio podcast, which they're right outside of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, since 2017, I've listened to them. They are a great, great podcast. Two working class dads that just shoot the shit. And it's really nice. And then they talk about conspiracy theories. But anyway, um, in Dayton, Ohio in 2019, a man used an assault weapon that he paired with a 100-round large capacity magazine that he was able to fire into a crowd. He killed nine people. So literally nine people he killed, wounded 27 others in just 32 seconds. So the, in the time that it takes you to literally take a piss, he, well, depending on how old you are. But I was about to say, if you're Joe Biden, it takes you a good minute and a half. To that's get that. his first 45 minutes of the day. He's, he's just, struggling he's, to get that one little drop out. He really hard. One little like, drop pish, out. Pish, pish. <laughs> it's like a, like a uh, what is it? A, uh, he has his telegraph. Little... A telegraph. Got to pish. Stop getting old. Stop. Uh, but anyway, so... Nine people, 27 others wounded in 32 seconds. 32 seconds. So that's these high-capacity magazines that have 100 rounds in one drum or one uh, magazine. It's just it's insane to think about. So exactly how many people die yearly due to gun violence? So according to Forbes, overall there are 434 million guns owned in the U.S. as of 2020. So this. Whoa, whoa, wait. 434 million. So there's 330 some odd million people in the United States. So that's what 1.25 guns per person. Jesus. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That is a huge number. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to interrupt you, but damn. So as of 2018, research shows there are 120 guns per 100 people. And it kills about 40,000 Americans per year, whether it be accidental gun discharging, whether it be suicide, whether it be quote unquote mass shootings. And, you know, it's, it's, it's far behind like the leading cause of death in like heart disease, which is probably in the top three, about 650,000. So, but it's, it's similar to well-known causes of death, like flu or vehicle accidents, which accumulate to about 39,000 car okay. accidents. So the real question is, do more guns equal more deaths? And I mean, you know, despite what the Republicans claim, there's an overwhelming evidence that this country has a unique problem with gun violence. And it's mostly because it's the unique amount of guns that are available. Like you mentioned, there's 430 something million guns that are owned in the country as of 2020. And the in the gun to people ratio is over at is an extra 20, 120 guns mm -hmm. and compared to 100 people. Exactly. And I mean this is way before the insurrection in January. So imagine all these people out in bumfuck Egypt that have just bought up 18,000 guns because they're waiting on Q to come back. You know, they're waiting on Trump to come back. Excuse me. So just imagine all those people that bought up guns waiting Awfully, I bet. But anyway, we'll get to that. So, you know, the United States has a unique problem because not only do we have the highest amount of gun violence in the world, but we also have the highest number of gun guns available to each other or to ourselves in the world. So it's not just that every other high-income country in the world has many fewer guns. They also have many fewer deaths because well. ac accessibility to the guns exactly. in, in the first place. We have a huge high number of accessibility, right? So it's also that U.S. states with fewer guns, like California, Illinois, Iowa, and much of the Northeast, have fewer gun deaths. And when state or local governments have restricted gun access, deaths have often declined as well. So the states that have more or easier access to guns have a higher number of deaths, especially guess which area of the country has the highest amount of deaths per capita. I'm going to say Texas. Well, area of the country, you would be correct. South, the South. Yeah. 
has the highest number of deaths oh, yeah. per capita. Yeah, because in the South, people that what what is it in Alabama? It's an it's an open carry. You don't even have to have a license. Alabama's trying to. Alabama's also trying to push. I saw this in the news today. They're trying to push to where you can have a lifetime uh, concealed carry permit. Like you get it once and you never have to get it again. But I mean, who knows how much you probably have to pay for that shit. Probably 30 bucks. Yeah. You <laughs> them <laughs> 30 bucks. Because we don't want to make money in the state. If we wanted to make money, we would, you know, pass a casino bill. But that's another brand. That's ah, another brand. Damn, you're right. Or, or we pass, or you know what's even more funny? We got to give a shout out to how backward the state of Alabama is. What is it? I read that they are now allowing deliveries for home alcohol orders. Hell so, yes. So, you know, you can legalize that, but you can't legalize marijuana medicine patches or topical cream. Hey, we don't have to get And you, it's, not, it's not even flour. It's not even the flour buds. It's literally pills, creams. It's ridiculous. Have you driving to go get that alcohol and we won't sell it on Sundays? That's the Lord's day. <laughs> that is the day that we sit and we wait until 1 p.m. We gotta just hold our hold our fucking just ready to buy some alcohol on 1 p.m. Now they're li- those motherfuckers are lining up at the door. Out the and door. They are packing too, because they are strapped up ready you're not supposed to see it though or, or some of some of them show it because they don't give a fuck and they're but i'm gonna be safe and you know it just that that whenever you show your gun like that like that just seems like you're antagonizing or or like you know, just my my personal opinion i agree 100 percent. like i mean i don't feel safe i don't feel more safe if i walk into a fucking chipotle and i see boomhauer having his assault rifle over his shoulder because he wants to assert his second amendment right like no do you know that not one mass shooting has been prevented thanks to a person carrying a gun uh i if, if i may counter on that you know that there are as an example you remember uh i think it was in i don't know i don't know if it was texas or someplace whenever they uh, a person went in and uh started shooting up the church they were people that did have pistol permits or concealed carries and was able to stop that they, they managed to kill some people but managed to like you said it, it, it in the short amount of time is what i'm saying in, in order it would there would have been a lot more deaths is what i'm saying okay. and i i see 100 percent what you're saying and i also counter you with the example of representative gabby gifford who was a u.s congresswoman from arizona who was shot while uh giving a campaign what was it a campaign uh like a rally in 2011 she was out of arizona and they had an open carry in arizona and she nearly got shot by the person uh who was open carrying in the rally who accidentally shot someone else while trying to shoot the shooter so that's my uh the person you know you know (laughs) you'll like this do you know who actually apprehended the shooter who was shot her in the head? She lived, by the way. Um, do you know who apprehended the shooter? Mm-mm. It was a 74-year-old man. God dang. That old fuck ran up and just... I uh, bet just he just form-tackled her. It was like an open-field tackle. You know that hit that uh, Brian Erlacher put on Reggie Bush? You know, it's, it's famous for him just decking him. Yeah, he just got just floored. Every ounce of energy that he has been saving up since 1957... He just gave it all. No, he probably just had to release all his sexual tension. All that sexual tension because he has not gotten laid in like six Because Norma years. ain't giving him no shit. <laughs> Norma, her sex drive Has that shot, bitch on lockdown. Her sex drive turned off the day that Bill Clinton won, won. Okay? One of those damn Democrats took office in 92 and she was like, never and again. she ain't giving him none. She said, never again. But anyway, I'm sorry. That was horrible. But go ahead. So... Are mass shootings the main cause of gun deaths? You know, they, they are also not the primary source of gun violence overall. So kind of go into that a little bit. So in 2019, for example, only about one out of every 400 gun deaths was a result of a mass shooting. Overall, more than half the gun deaths are from suicide, which, you know, I kind of have I'm, I'm a little torn on that because when it says that, it says you know, pe- people that are already not mentally right in the head, 
they're they have access to get a gun mm-hmm. and i just find that they're in the right mental state yeah yeah altered yeah. mental status you know like, like like they're not thinking clearly and you know surely like they shouldn't be allowed to be able to purchase that firearm in the first place and so i would say and like i said i i we mentioned this before i don't claim to be a expert or a, you know a, a uh, trained psychologist or anybody dealing with um, mental instability mental health crises or suicide at all but think about it uh half of the gun deaths in this country which we mentioned was like what 40,000 a year yeah so tw- roughly 20,000 come from suicide if those people did not have access to get a gun would they have been able to follow through on committing suicide or if someone ended up committing suicide by gun i don't know for i don't know the exact number if there was a waiting period on being able to get a gun yeah instead of being able to get the gun that same damn day like that's that's ridiculous think about that think about how many lives could have been saved if they were able to have a waiting period anybody should have a waiting period on buying a gun i don't believe you should be able to walk into a gun store say hey 30 minutes yeah hey bert i want to buy a gun okay have you never been committed have you ever committed a crime no bert i haven't okay here's your gun no i don't think it should work like that i think you should have a waiting period so So it was just something interesting i was want to interject right so what what's the original intent for this for the second amendment in the first place All right, let me get a sip first. Let me get a sip of my tout drink. T-O-U-T, by the, by the way, for our mm. viewers. Ooh, I got to get in. Which, we are drinking a Red Bull and Jaeger this time. Quote-unquote Jaeger bomb. It's been a long day, so we needed something to just pep us up. You know, wake us up. Especially you. You've had a 12-hour shift today. 12 hours. 12 hours. So this original intent, let's talk about the Second Amendment. This is a juicy one. A juicy one. God damn right. Because you, yeah, you know what? Because you're going to have everybody, whether it be Republicans who just back this to the day they die, or the NRA itself. So another, like you said, another one of your fuck yous is for the NRA posting right after the Boulder, Colorado event. Yeah. And, you know, truly a genuine, like, I, it, I'm, it's, it's just not dis- a wa- it's, it's a dry... Fuck you. It's, it's like you said, it's just distasteful. Long story short. It is. You know, posting about the Second Amendment the minute, like, what was it, 20 minutes after a mass shooting. And so the original intent of the Second Amendment, it said, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the comma. right, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, comma. shall not be infringed. So that was what was written. And let's let's keep this in mind. When it was written, when was it written? Do you know that? Seventeen eighty-three. Eighty-seven. Ah, shit. Seventeen eighty-seven-ish, around in there. So, let me give you a little context. The founding fathers have just broken away from Great Britain, and they understood the new federal government they were ratifying might one day become just as oppressive. They were worried that, oh no. A tyrannical government. And Which so in it, good reason is you should be able to, you should be worried about that. Yeah, right. And so if it had the power to control the citizens' access to firearms, then it could disarm them if the government did. So just as the British had attempted to do before. So that is, um, and so the Second Amendment was specifically included in this Bill of Rights to prevent this from happening again one day. So, okay, fine. Perfectly fine. So... Give us, we're going to break down the Second Amendment. There's two completely different interpretations of the Constitution because this is so ambiguous. This is so uh, vague. Because you have scholars literally breaking this down word for word, trying to say, oh, does this mean this? Does this mean this? What what does it mean? Right, and it's hard for, you can't today in 2021, it's not the same context as how it was written back in 1787 because they still fucking owned slaves and didn't have electricity. And had musket rifles. Yes. So Joe Biden was a junior in high school when this constitution. He was a young lad. (laughs) He was, he was a, he was a spiffy young lad and he had gone bald already, but go ahead. So tell us this, the pro gun side. So 
they have come to rely on the Second Amendment as their trusty shield when faced with mass shooting-induced criticism. To a pro-gun activist, the interpretation of this amendment guarantees an individual right to bear arms. Pro-gun supporters say that restricting firearms violates an individual liberty guaranteed by the Constitution and the need for armed self-defense. Okay. So that's a lot to process. So long story short, I fully, I agree because like you said, whether it be, it's your individual right. And, and, and number one, you're already getting taxed for the gun itself and the ammunition. And like, as long as you go through proper identification and proper licensing and everything, I don't see how it's a problem. And you're going to be mind blown at this. To an extent, I agree with you. And this has been, and just for some context for our millions and millions of listeners, thank you. You really picked up on that. Uh, Zach and I have really differed. We don't differ on a lot, but this is one that we have really differed on was guns. And I'll be 100% with you. I've had to really do a lot of self reflection and a lot of self, you know research on this to really try not to be i've always you know it's easy to talk to talk about not being closed-minded not being narrow-minded and always being open to learning new things but i'll admit that when it came to guns i have often been very set about it me personally i'm not a huge fan of guns me personally me personally I don't see the need to own a machine gun. If I want to ever shoot a machine gun, I feel like I can go somewhere to a gun range and shoot it and be happy. I don't want to take it home. But I can't, um, I cannot be able to have my decision count for everybody's, you know, when it comes to this. This is a ambiguous amendment, you know? So I can't let my personal feelings shape dictate everything else yeah dictate i like that better dictate to the rest of the country and so i've done a lot of research on it and i've actually discovered the socialist rifle association so shout out to the socialist rifle association and i know that every conservative listening to this just shat themselves as soon as you said mean squirty fiery jalapeno shat themselves and bernie sanders himself approves of it he gives his stamp of approval do you know what's fucking hilarious is that the Socialist Rifle Association agrees with the hardcore conservatives when it comes to guns. How fucking insane is that? So, But anyway, I'm sorry. I just got on a tangent there. But all that to say is I've really tried to open my mind in honor of this episode. So thank you, Zach. Good. Um, good. So for gun control supporters, their view of the Second Amendment, they say that it represents a collective right of the states to maintain militias. But advocates of gun control say that easy access to firearms increases gun violence and restricting gun ownership will ultimately save lives. So those are the two uh, competing opinions. And so now we're going to share ours with you. Okay, so talking about, we're going to look in our views now. Okay, so me overall, when it comes to the Second Amendment, you know, the overwhelming consensus was that the Second Amendment gave state militias a right to obtain and bear its arms. These state militias back in the colonial times, remember. But it did not give individuals any rights. You can see it said it's talking, the whole Second Amendment is talking about a well-regulated militia. It doesn't necessarily look at individual rights. Like you see in the First Amendment, it talks about uh, the government shall not uh, censor your speech, censor your uh, right to protest, anything like that, media. So the words of the Second Amendment are difficult to understand in the best of circumstances. Like you said, it's very. we both said it's very vague. It's very hard to understand. So, but if you look at the history and context of the amendment, including other references to state militias in the Constitution, it suggests that the amendment only applied to state militias. So it's saying this specific amendment only applies to state militias. So my question to you is, why is it that, like, why can't you just take it verbatim exactly the way it was written? Because, you know, we we can't look at it from the mindset of the framers back then, the founding fathers, because it's been 300 years almost. Back then, slavery was legal. 
back then we didn't have electricity. You didn't have car insurance, healthcare, Air Force, Space Force now. We did not have the Space Force. We did not have a Space Force. We literally thought, uh, some people still thought that the world was flat, which people still today think the world is flat. So, I mean. And, but, the, and the moon landing never happened. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's, we have to be willing to, and there's been numerous different Supreme Court cases legislating the difference between individual rights and militia rights, looking at the Second Amendment. D.C. versus uh, Heller in 2008 ruled on that, with, which, interesting enough, uh, conservative, a conservative majority with Antonin Scalia, who was one of the most conservative judges we ever had, said that, yes, banning uh, assault weapons on an individual level in a city was different. He said there's a difference between the militias and individual rights. Individuals do not have an absolute right to a militia, is what the conservative Supreme Court ruled in 2008 with D.C. versus Heller. They said while they can't be uh, regulated or something like that, the main thing, the main takeaway for me was talking about how the Supreme Court does not get, or the Constitution does not give a ultimate right to a weapon, a gun. So I thought that was really interesting that a conservative court at that did that did went that far, you know? Right. So it seems like they just they de decrypted it or encrypted it the way that they saw fit mm -hmm. and it wasn't verbatim word for word. Like most people say who, whether it be libertarians who go exactly by the constitution word for word, it, this is exactly what should happen. You know, which I find very funny. Libertarians are so like, Oh, we got to go with the constitution verbatim. Okay. Well then don't drive on a street. Don't have health care. Don't depend on the military, the air force or the space force. Uh, don't depend on social security. Don't depend Medicare, Medicare. Don't depend on being able to have access to healthcare. If you get injured, don't go don't, to public parks. Don't go to, yeah, don't go to public parks. Very good. Don't go, don't depend on, uh, the ambulances or police department or fire department because all those socialist policies were not included in the constitution. So you're on your own, literally like fucking uh it's a wild west in this bitch yeah like i was uh what was it uh lewis and clark up in here so no but anyway so what about like crime stricken cities like chicago that have strict gun laws and some of the highest gun violent rates in the united states so it says chicago has the strictest laws in the u.s and shootings in chicago are up 33 percent in the month of march why is that okay so like you mentioned, Chicago has some of, they, they used to have the most strict gun laws in the United States. They don't anymore, but they do have one of the highest gun violence rates in the United States. So experts, their explanation for this is what they called, called a quote, quote, perfect storm of factors, possibly contributing to the spike in homicides. This included the economic collapse. So the cause for all the spike in gun violence since the pandemic uh, social anxiety because of the pandemic, depolicing in major cities after protests that called for the abolition of police departments, which that's a whole other can of worms, can of worms and discussion, which everybody goes, they fund the police. They're just going to get rid of the police. No, you fucking idiot. But, but then also I could, you, you see their point that they're making though with the, with the complete abolition of police, you realize that it makes but the crime go up. That use of word, that use of verbiage is so off. They're not saying, well, there's two different camps. There's defund the police, which says we need to shift resources. Like instead of saying the police department gets $500 million, I'm just throwing a number or a hundred million dollars. So NYPD, the, the, probably the yeah. biggest police force. Instead of them getting a hundred million dollars, the money that they would, they can shift some resources to fund uh, social services. So where the police department doesn't have to respond to every single call. Mental health crisis. Yeah, the mental health crisis. Who would you want to respond to a call that's clearly a mental health crisis? A social worker who is trained in that or a police officer that has no training? So let me let me counter, counter you with this. What would you I say know what to, you're going to say. What would you say to a person that's six foot five and 300 pounds and 
and they're having a mental health crisis. You think a social worker is going to be able to calm them down? Yes. In, in many cases, they're trained. That is literally what they're trained to do. That is what their whole career is based on. Now, do you need a police backup? Sure. But you're reallocating resources to where also you don't have pol- – you can retrain to ha- not have police – their first instinct is to shoot somebody and kill them. We need to teach the police de-escalation factors so that their first instinct is not to shoot and kill someone, which, you know, look at the city of Newark, New Jersey. They defunded their police, which means they shifted their way of policing. They didn't get rid of the police, like all the Trump uh, propaganda uh, campaign videos have, you know, the old lady where she calls 911 because somebody's breaking in and they get the recording that says, well, Joe Biden has defunded the police, so your call will be answered in five days. No, it's not like that. That's just fear-mongering. What happens is it goes to the people that actually are trained to do it, and they have a police officer come along where they, if there's a six-foot-five, 300-pound, whatever bullshit fear tactic, fear-mongering tactic that they come up with, they are better equipped to respond. But anyway, um, where was I? Oh, the so talking about these shifts in policing uh, from neighborhoods to downtown areas becomes a protest and the release of different criminal defendants from jail. So they're talking about different possibilities, no proven fact, for why... Uh, the crime rate in Chicago, for instance, uh, th- that's the example they're using is Chicago, has gone up. But is this really what, you know, is this the truth? Let's look at it. And I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to take you to school. I know you thought you'd be done with it after you're already done with school, but I'm going to take you to school. There are a lot of murders in Chicago, and many of them involve guns. I'm not denying that fact. But, you know, they have Chicago has stricter gun laws than much of the United States. Chicago does not have the highest murder rate in the country, though. In fact, it's not even in the top 10 when you actually look at the actual murder rate. Because I know this argument that's being used that says, well, what about all the crimes committed in Chicago last weekend? How are you going to explain that? When are Black Lives Matter going to uh, worry about that? So that's usually, it's a meme that's gone around on Facebook. So this is what I'm debunking for you. So um, with what the argument states above skips is the fact that the number of murders in an area is not the murder rate for that area. So here's a little math I'm going to do. The murder rate is the number of people murdered per 100,000 people in that region, that city, okay? So the murder rate is how many people are killed per 100,000 people. So out of every 100,000 people, how many people die, okay? So when you look at Chicago's actual gun homicide rate, so the people killed by guns, things get even more clear. As of 2014, Chicago ranked 19th in the country with regard to gun homicides. Their rate was 15.1 murders per 100,000 people. So out of every 100,000 people, 15 were killed by guns, just guns, because this is what we're looking at, okay? So other people were killed by, like, a dildo. I don't know. They could have been killed by a flying dildo dildo to the head, you know? That could really take a person out. You never know. But that 15.1 murders per 100,000 people was less than half of every city in the top five. So it was half of every other city, which is 30 has nearly 30, which was St. Louis, Detroit, New Orleans, Baltimore, and Newark. So all of these different cities ranked higher than Chicago. So Chicago does not have the highest murder rate, which that that question alludes to that fact. Yes, but you know the reason why it is so high, like it's in, like you said, it ranked 19th. And you know why? Is because of poverty. That's a whole, that's a whole other can of worms. Yes. But I'm just saying like majority, it it can relate to poverty is what I'm saying. That is true. And we'll kind of get to that with the second part of my answer. So I'm glad you, you kind of just set me up perfectly for that. So, but wait, there's more. It's like, it's like the commercials, but wait, there's more. Only four payments of a hundred dollars for only four payments of 39 95. 
12, plus, plus shipping. 12 easy payments of $39.95 over the next month. Um, that This only includes cities with populations of 200,000 or more. It's this homicide rate I was talking about. So essentially just 80 cities in the United States have over 200,000 people in the city. But what happens when you look at gun homicide rates in those areas with smaller populations? So if you actually look at the entire country, when you do that, Chicago's gun homicide rate is approximately the same as most of the South or Southwest. So these less restrictive, you know, carry whatever the fuck you want, wider South Southern states that their laws are like whatever you have, you can have their murder gun homicide, gun homicide rates, excuse me, I can't speak, ranks the same as Chicago, which is the strictest. So what it's saying is that they're essentially the same when you look at it and don't just give some narrow little out-of-context view. So, you know, areas with more people are going to have more murders. That's just how it is when you have more people in one area. And exactly, and like you said, whether it be with, like like you said, cases of the flu, car wrecks, shit like that. And the, exactly. You know. Who is going to have higher cases of a car wreck or a flu? A city with a thousand people or a city with a million people? The million. Exactly. That's just numbers. That's just stats. You know, you can't argue with that. So there's other things you need to know about Chicago's gun homicide rate. The guns that are used to kill people in Chicago are usually bought legally somewhere else. Because there's not one gun store in Chicago. Because they have, there's not one gun store to buy a gun in Chicago. Okay? So according to a recent report, 60% of the guns used to commit a crime in Chicago were bought legally in states with more laxed gun laws. So with less restrictions on their gun laws. Chicago, if you look at it geographically, is right there next to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin and Michigan, which have less strict gun laws. So in an in instance, for instance, Indiana contributed 19% of the guns that were involved in a crime that took place in Chicago. So 19% of the guns that were used to commit a murder in Chicago were bought legally in Indiana. I even read further, 6% of the guns that were used to commit a murder in Chicago was bought where? Give you a guess. Uh, Texas. Close. Mississippi. Mississippi. So think about it. 600 miles away. So the 50 that stayed out of 50 and everything. Literally, 6% of the murders in Chicago in 2014 were committed by a gun that was bought in Mississippi. So all that's saying is that the gun homicide rate in Chicago was the result of other states' laxed, laid-back gun laws. So you can't blame, well, gun control in Chicago is the reason. How is it helping because there's so many murders? Well, Whenever it was bought legally in the yes, other states. Yes, in other states that you can just walk up and buy a gun. In 30 minutes. Yes, so you can't blame gun control it's you're just taking it out of context to make it fit your narrative. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So if we ban guns, will only bad guys get them, quote unquote? I mean, you know, I'm not saying that we should outlaw guns at all. Never once have I said that. I'm saying that we should erect these barriers that make it difficult for individuals with a higher chance of committing violence to be able to get a gun. So people that are like convicted felons, the mentally ill that have undiagnosed issues, it should be harder for different people that shouldn't have a gun to get a gun, in other words. And there's a really cool uh, system that uh, you were going to mention that was set up. So the Nash National Incident Criminal Background Check System, it was enacted in 1994 as part of an assault weapons ban. So it's centralized database of individuals who are federally prohibited from buying guns, namely convicted felons, domestic abusers, and fugitives. Since it was put in place, 2.1 million outlaws have been blocked from purchasing guns. So really, gun control does the opposite of your argument. Right. So literally, this system that was set up in as part of the 1994 ban, the uh, assault weapons ban, this N NICS, not NCIS, but NICS, it has prevented 2.1 million people that should not have gotten an assault weapon 
from getting an assault weapon. So it's literally preventing the bad guys from getting a gun. So let me ask you this though: like, if someone really wants a gun that bad, what makes you think that they just won't go to the black, quote unquote, to the black market and get one and purchase one to do their whatever they want to do? And I 100% see what you're saying. There's always going to be the quote quote black market to get something. If usually, you want, if you want something, you can get it. 100%. And usually, this form of the black market is the loopholes that you can do dealing with gun shows, dealing with online buying and stuff like that, which we're going to get to later. And we're going to discuss, um, those are the main two culprits, so to speak. Right. And those are an issue. Um, but there are ways that can more easily be regulated, which we need to take advantage of the opportunity to regulate those to prevent the majority of, uh, shootings. Because the majority, deaths. I think, what was it, uh, since 2010, close to 70% of the mass shootings that have occurred have happened because of legally bought guns. So if we have a better uh, fail-safe or safety valve way of preventing and having more teeth behind background checks or licensing and stuff like that, we can weed out a lot of those potential killers, in my opinion. So what about the mental health argument? And so this is the interesting one. Um, Which, by the way, you're not claiming to be a, a mental health expert either. Exactly. I'm going to reiterate that because I know some douchebag will listen and be like, well, what do you know? You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're right. I fucking don't. And you know what? Neither the fuck do you. So that's my response to you, Boomhauer. But anyway... Um, he's also the person that uses the wrong your and the wrong there and the wrong T-O-O and T-O. But anyway, um, when it comes to the mental health argument, this is under the belief that Republicans will actually work alongside advocates to help reform the mental health services that they were responsible for fucking gutting in the first place. And Ronald Reagan. And on top of that, you realize that there's absolutely no bipartisanship whatsoever. As much as old... Iron Jaw Joe's tried, there's been absolutely no bipartisanship. Exactly. And Republicans have made it clear that they have no desire to work with Democrats whatsoever. Like, it's probably the most divided it's been in a while. And, and they have no legitimate reason to not work with him. And like you said, even during Obama's term, like, it, it was not this divided. And I mean, look at it. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but like background checks, 90% of Americans are for background checks, enhanced background checks. What is the Republican reason for not supporting? What's the argument for that? Yeah, yeah there's no well, argument. Why are you not? Yeah. Uh, it's not because your constituents, the people that fucking elected you. Oh, it's the lobbyists that have, that own you that are the reason that you are don't. Paying oh. your, that are paying your uh, big payouts, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that makes more sense now. But exactly. Very good point. I'm glad you made that. So... What exactly is the plan then? You know, are you going to round up everybody with mental health issues and put them under lock and key? So, people with mental health issues amount to one in five, and one in uh, five Americans. So, the vast majority of them have no violent tendencies. And like I mentioned earlier, only twenty-three percent of shooters actually have a diagnosed mental health issue. So, even if all of those individuals we're able to get the gold star treatment. The system, if we just set it up like that, would only prevent twenty or only a, sh- a few shooters. So, out of a hundred percent of mass shooters, only twenty-three percent had mental health issues. So, but you know what? All of the mass shooters in the last six years had in common, though, they all committed their act with assault weapons. So, what? Let, let's dive in depth about some of Biden's campaign promises to quote unquote yeah. to, to curb the the gun epidemic. So when gun our, violence epidemic. When Iron Jaw Joe decided to run, tell me, Zach, what were some of these ways that he decided? So he says gun man- manufacturers must be held accountable. And he, he also he says get weapons of war off the streets along with high capacity mags, which that's a little iffy in itself because you don't know the what number different it differs on the numbers. Which the Bush administration let the 1994 assault weapons ban expire and let it run on through. So, and he also said ban importation of foreign assault weapons, regulate possession of weapons under National Firearms Act. Currently, 
only full auto machine guns, silencers, and short barrel rifles get checked, which is ridiculous. Buyback weapons programs or register under National Firearm Act. So my thing is, what? why in the world, like, criminals will still literally have the guns like it, they're not what makes you think they're gonna they're gonna sell their government sell their guns back to the government and the, the like you said that itself is ridiculous and it says reduce stockpiling of guns and ammo which first off fuck you to the person that goes to the academy and buys up all the ammunition for yourself just shit. because you have the most money i think that shit should be distributed evenly oh that's communism right there socialism too oh buddy Oh, yeah. buddy. And it says close gun show and online purchases. Loophole, like like you said, whether it be online or gun shows. And it gives states incentives to set up licensing programs. And I think that would be great. A licensing program for the state. So pretty much it's saying Joe Blow can't just walk up and buy a gun. Without got, getting <laughs> proper identification. Yeah, you got to properly pass a background check. You've got to sign up for different um, aspects to know how to, you know, operate a gun. You can't just expect somebody to know how to operate a gun. You know, so many deaths that occur in kid with kids as well come from the parent not knowing how to properly secure and properly lock up a gun, yeah. whether it be unload the gun first off and mm -hmm. put the, uh, the, you know how they have. For people who don't really have experience with guns, they have a lock that uh, you put, you cock the gun back and you put the lock in and then you, uh, it, it has like a lock with a metal string around it mm -hmm. and you put it through your gun and then you lock it. So that way the gun can't jam, you can't cock it or you can't do anything like that. So like, you know, it's just like you said, proper Common gun. Sense yeah. stuff. And, you know, having a mandatory wait period for when you buy a gun, you shouldn't be able to walk in 30 minutes later, w walk out with a gun. A mandatory waiting period for guns. The guy that was responsible for shooting up uh, the Atlanta uh, mall, the Atlanta massage parlors, he was able to walk in and buy the gun that day. Later that day, he went and committed those murders. Think about what could have happened, and what had he been, wait? Yeah, two or three days. Yeah, because apparently his family that night saw his Facebook post. And call the cops about him, knowing that it was him. So it's like, imagine what could have happened if they had a few days to wait. So let's get into this uh, tricky subject about the assault weapons ban in the first place. Okay, so we're going to talk about this assault weapons ban. So, you know, back in 1994, they originally passed the first assault weapons ban, which Iron Jaw Joe helped lead the charge for that. But... The most recent reiteration of this assault weapons ban was in uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who, interestingly enough, she when she was elected senator, she took over for the senator who was murdered in um, the Jonestown incident. You know, the drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah. He was murdered there, and she was able to run for his uh, office, fun funny enough. But anyway... Uh, so Diane Feinstein of California and Congressman David Ciceline of Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Hey, there you go. Um, they introduced the assault weapons ban, an updated bill to ban the sale, transfer, manufacture, and importation of military-style assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, similar to the ones that were used in Dayton, Ohio, that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, where they were able to use a 100-round magazine attached to an assault rifle. Which, by the way, I do not support. Nobody should have that other than military. Oh, there's, Yeah, there's no need for that. We agree. See right there. So, you know, when this assault weapons ban was originally in place from 1994 to 2004, so for 10 years, gun massacres declined by 37% compared with the decade before, and after the ban expired, the number of massacres rose by 183% ever since the gun uh, assault weapons ban was, it expired. 183%. Which, like you said, the assault, assault weapons ban is just completely, like, it can be, it makes some sense, but then in other, it's ridiculous. Like, why penalize 
law-abiding citizens is the way I look at it, banning assault rifles, which is in a high-capacity mags, whether it be 30 rounds, but anything over 30 is just ridiculous. And the writing of the assault weapons ban, from what I've been reading about it, it kind of was screwed from the get-go, you can say. Because, like the crime bill. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> the crime bill, it just targeted people that didn't look like you and me, uh, which we're white, by the way. But anyway, um, the assault weapons ban essentially... It said it said specific guns that could not be made. So these gun manufacturers would then just go and make like a knockoff version that wasn't that same name, but it was pretty much the same weapon. So kind of like you know how you can get a Polo or U.S. Polo Association, <laughs> you know the little knockoff yeah. versions of clothing. That's what they were able to do. So you know it's it. It had good intentions, I believe. But, but I think it should have been a little bit more in-depth yeah. on what exactly entails. Exactly. Know? And you, you could tell that lobbyists were able to get there in and influence you go. Yeah, you that go. right there. Which is so. most most of politics nowadays. Yeah, in general. Yes, 100%. Which is why we need a political revolution. But go ahead. So, Talk about some background checks and some licensing. So universal background checks is the term for... Pretty much, like, it has to be done for every single gun sale. 90% of Americans support universal background checks for gun purchases, but would take generations worth of time to implement, which is true, because the time it has to go through the, the House and then go through the Senate and, you know, and make it law and then arrive on the president's desk. And, you know, not everybody's going to agree with the same thing. So it's just, it just takes ages. Yeah, and then even implementing it then for it to actually take effect once it's, you know, like law. It's not going to be like... Yeah, it, yeah. As an example, like you know, the uh, Virginia is uh, wouldn't be able to sell marijuana for what was it the uh, what is it four years from now is whenever like they will be actually able to sell it. So mm -hmm. you, you know, it may be legalized, but it you can't actually have distri distribution of said product. You know, right? But still, ninety percent of Americans. So out of ten people, nine nine out of those ten people would agree with it. I just want that known. So please. The most conservative person that listens to us, please, and you know who you are, um, comment back and give us a legitimate reason why Congress has not passed this yet. And also, we go to gun licensing. It, it to me, it would be more immediate, and and it requires training to own guns. Actually, put in that well-regulated clause of the Second Amendment into action that has seventy percent polling support. Exactly. So, whereas the universal background checks are the more long-term goal you know it would have its effect in the long term it's not going to be something that just happens the gun licensing like you mentioned would be more immediate because in order to buy a gun you would have to have the training for how to actually operate safely safely operate that weapon so you know the second amendment going back to that it talks about a well-regulated militia so a well-regulated militia would be a group of people that actually know what the fuck they're doing with the weapon, right? Right. So Common sense gun. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's that well-regulated militia that makes everybody all up in arms right there. You have to be able to have a well-functioning person that knows what they're doing with the well, gun. Well-enabled body person. Yeah, Mine. to be able to own it. So those are the main components of this gun control. Argument. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's good people, there's good arguments on both sides. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I started out, even within the last few months, I was hardcore, nobody deserves to own a machine gun. I still don't think that anybody should personally own a machine gun. It's a weapon of war, specifically made for the war which I think is a disgusting thing in itself that does not need to happen. But I have to also look at two main things. A, I cannot, my personal beliefs cannot dictate the rest of the United States, first off. And then second, I've really done a lot of research into leftist groups like the Socialist Rifle Association, the Black Panther Party of the 1960s, um, a lot of the uh, pro-liberation groups today, they are pro-Second Amendment because they say, why should right-wingers that hate us, that want to murder us, 
be allowed to have assault weapons, but we quote, quote, play by the rules and we're going to be the ones to suffer for it. So that's like saying if an assault weapon is banned, do you think these right-wing terrorist groups are going to get rid of them? No. No. So why should we open ourselves up for attack to be murdered when they are not playing by the rules? So we should be able to assert our Second Amendment rights just like they should. That's the whole uh, argument the Black Panthers made in the 1960s. Huey Newton, uh, Fred Hampton, Bobby Seale, Eldridge Cleaver, all of them said, well, why should we, Bobby Rush, um, why should we not be able to assert our Second Amendment rights? In California in the 1960s, they had open carry laws. You could carry a AK up to the steps of Congress. And that's exactly what they did, and they terrified people. It was okay when everybody else did, but when they were asserting their Second Amendment rights, people flipped the fuck out. So, damn it, I almost went the whole episode without saying fuck. Well, fuck. Too far. (laughs) So, all that to say, you know, in, I've opened my mind. So, I appreciate that. Yes, and also, to just end all be all, there are, we both are in agreement. there has to be some regulations made, but also, I don't think that it should go as far. And I, I can see what you're saying. And we both, like we said, are in agree. We agree that there needs to be a universal background check. We agree with 90% of the United States that we need to have background checks. We need to have better gun licensing. If you're going to own a weapon that can fucking kill someone, literally take someone's life, you need to know how the hell to use it. You shouldn't be able to just say, hey, I want a gun. And somebody go, okay, here, pay me, pay me, and then you can have it. No. You have to get a, um, this is the best argument I've heard. If you want to drive to get a license, don't you have to have a permit for a year? Right. When you turn 15, you got to have a driver's permit for a year before you can get your license. Why shouldn't you have to have um, licensing and training to be to own a gun? Which is more dangerous than driving a car. Yes. Because that... A gun holds the keys to someone's life, but and yeah. also a car does too. If you don't but know you how to drive, to have a year of training before you can legally drive. If you want to uh, drive a boat, you have to get training. If you want to fly a plane, you have to get training. If I want to be a teacher, I have to get training. If you want to go to your job, you have to have training. You can't just walk in and say, "I'm here, I'm living, so I should have it." No, you have to have training. It's called regulation, and all of that is government oversight, which is great. We both agree on that. Um, but yeah, it just it's common sense regulations that 90% of the world or Americans agree on. Where you and I differ, maybe slightly, um, deals with I have to assault weapons yeah. pretty much. Yes. That's that's the only thing we differ on. And like you say, it, it goes into into depth about what a high capacity mag is. But other than that, right. I mean everything and we were able to come to a lot of good compromises, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you have safety regular uh, safety valves to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of mentally people, ill people, or, well, not just mentally ill people, but people that do not need to have it, convicted yeah, felons, exactly, people that have a history of violence, people that have a r- history of making racial, racially motivated attacks on people, do not need to have these weapons, and should be denied it. Yeah, they should be easily denied it. You should not be able to buy a weapon the day that you want, that you go in to buy it. You should have to wait. For gun show loopholes, um, you should still have to pass a background check. You should have a waiting period. You should not be able to go to a gun show say, hey, I want to buy this gun. They go, okay. No. You should have to have regulation to do it. A gun is, like you said, literally the keys to someone's life. So... To quote the great Uncle Ben from um, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. So, give a shit about other people, in other words. Yeah, like 90% of Americans. Yeah, like 90% of Americans agree with, you know? And we just have to actually use statistics. I mean, if you look at it, the science behind it. The science behind it and the statistics behind it say the numbers show that 90% of Americans agree with it. So we should just go with these common sense. Yeah, listen to the people instead of big donors. Oh, crazy concept right there. 
actually listening to the will of the people. But I think I'm really glad that we got to do this episode. We've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. But I think it was really important because... At this point in time, specifically. A hundred percent. And, I mean, this is something that comes up often. And, you know, we were able to... We really had to go in depth, get in the weed, the weed of it. But I think we really were able to lay out a good argument for both things. And we were able to find common ground, which is the whole purpose of this podcast. We're two working class guys. We we aren't special in any way besides just wanting to share our opinions with others and help others. Use our platform to, to elevate the problems that's going on in the world. Exactly. That's the whole point of this is we want people that are listening for y'all, the millions and millions of people that are listening to actually feel like, you know, you can relate to what we're talking about. Um, Because we're not coming to y'all from a elitist, snobby point of view. Yeah, we're not sitting up in Beverly Hills on a podcast. I wish, but no. We're not making, we're not worth $184 billion and pay $0 in taxes. You know, we, we're... And make your workers piss in bottles. Yeah. I shit in the toilet just like you. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Maybe me, I may go more often than you, but that's a different story. <laughs> that's just that's just your bowels. Yeah, that's just anxiety and nerves. But anywho, uh, let us know what you think. We want to hear your opinion. What do you think? And don't just be those people that, you know, if you're listening to us still at this point, then yes, you deserve to comment. But don't be those people that comment the minute that you see gun control and share your spouting off your uh, Facebook comments that you've shared without even knowing what we're talking about exactly because i guarantee if you listen to us you will find that you, we have more in common than we do different do you have anything you want to leave us with zach any words of wisdom um my words of wisdom is to at least just like you said just be open-minded and hear what other people have to say i agree i agree some deep thoughts that you've had from those late night thought sessions outside you know joe rogan blasting <laughs> That too. <laughs> Hello, bitches. Um, no, but um, freak bitches. So anyway, until next week, Zach, take us out. Levitate in your perspective each episode at the time. Y'all have a great week. <laughs>